seeing that at some point home was a flux and everything was fuzzy, did you at any point did it ever hit you that look I'm not home? Like when was the first time it hit you that look I'm not home? That feeling never goes away. Uh, you know the the saddest moments of my life in the past, probably in, my, in all of my adult life is moments when I think about what I consider home, which is still, you know, back home in, in Iran. I, I think about, you know, the reality that I had to leave a lot of things behind mm. for good reasons. Like, you know, I, I have achieved a lot of things in my life since I left. Uh, so, you know, it, it was, it was a compromise worth making, but the reality is that I have made that compromise. Like I had left things behind. So, you know, in my saddest moments, I do have the strongest connection still with back home, with, with Iran, you know, thinking about, you know, I wish, you know, that that would be the place where I achieve all of the things that I am trying to achieve now, right? So, um and, you know, it, it's not a feeling that I have every day or a feeling that, you know, is very overwhelming, but there are moments that it becomes extremely overwhelming, like that feeling that I don't really belong here. Like culturally, you know, I have adopted, I have accepted this as my identity. I have accepted that this is the best compromise, but ultimately it's a compromise, right? But the reality is, you know, the reality is that I don't really have a home. Like, you know, I, I'm defining the best I can as my home. Have you ever wondered what it's like to leave behind every single thing you know and start a new life in a foreign country? From my experience, it can be a struggle. On the Newcomers podcast, I'll be sharing my story as well as the stories of other immigrants. We'll be talking about the joys and struggles of starting afresh. My name is Dozier, and I'm looking forward to being your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Newcomers Podcast, um, where I, Dozier, and you chat with immigrants like myself about, you know, all the feels about moving to a new country. Today with me, I have Amir. Did I get your name right? Yes. <laughs> great, great, great. Today, I, today, we'll be talking about, he's been here since 2008, so... He's like an experienced immigrant, if I can use that term. <laughs> so how's it been for you? Like, that's that's like, you've been here for like, that's like 15, 16 years, 15 right? years, yeah. Well, I mean, minus two years that I went to England. So I'm, I'm a little more experienced with immigrating too, because I immigrated here first, then I went to England, then I moved back here. And, you know, last year also spent a lot of time traveling mm. uh, different countries and different cities. So I, I kind of like moving around. If you wish. <laughs> I see. I see you're a perpetual newcomer. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a new newcomer back in Toronto uh, awesome. since last year. So, <laughs> awesome. so I, you know, I, I kind of have, I was going to ask you about your first time, but I think I'll ask you this question, which is something that I, I, I'm trying to find an answer to myself. Do you ever think that there's a period where you feel like you've settled in? Do you think that ever <laughs> happens to you? Uh, <clears throat> that's a very, very deep question. And that needs a lot of... <laughs> 
deep discussion because you know i don't think i ever felt set settled in you know since i moved to canada in 2008 you know at the you know i came to canada as a student and being a student you know that's a temporary visa like the name comes with it right mm -hmm. like you're temporarily here you're only allowed to study and not even work and all that right so like there is always the intention of oh you know maybe i'll stay here and live here afterwards but you know that's a temporary status and i was on that temporary status for six years you know when i did my phd um and then towards the end of it it is very normal for academics to go to a different university a lot of the time a different country uh, and do you know postdocs which means that again like that's a temporary job you do it for a couple of years potentially you move to another postdoc to a different country so you know and that's what i did like i went to england i did a postdoc there uh you know that was a two-year position so by default again it was a temporary thing i knew most probably i'll end up moving again like even if you know i had any ambition of staying in the university i was working in as a postdoc probably would have been like a five-year thing like still again like a temporary thing and at that point i was feeling it like i had this idea in my head that okay i'm tired of moving around and that was part of the reason that I left academia because, you know, I wanted to choose where I wanted to live. Um, but, you know, due to a range of personal reasons, I wanted to go to the state and professional reasons, like for work as well. I wanted to go to the States. Uh, but then I got hit by uh, Trump era. Um, and then by COVID. So, you know, that sort of transition from England to the States is still ongoing for me. So <laughs> I, I know, you know, this, this ended up being, you know, a longer answer that probably you, you're hoping for, but yeah, that, that does not exist for me. Like I'm always in this state of flux. And as I said, even last year, I was like, I'm tired of being, you know, stuck in Toronto. So I'm just gonna, I spend almost eight or nine months of the year traveling mm -hmm. like even when i was back in toronto i was going to different neighborhoods every month right so yeah that as long as you know as far as my personal experience goes uh that has not yet happened for me <laughs> <laughs> and and just kind of dig it deeper into that feeling now cool when you go back home like where you're originally from does it feel like home for you or you still kind of feel like, you know, your float, your in between, you're <laughs> partly Canadian or partly English and you're partly from your home country. Like, do you ever feel like you, because it's it feels like an immigrant, you're stuck somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's a mid -Atl mid Atlantic feeling, <laughs> if you wish. Um, so, I mean, the, the crazy thing about where I'm from is that, you know, uh, I'm from Iran and the country has been in a bit of a chaos, you know, over the past, well, you know, probably 40 years. But, uh, you know, especially since I left, the situation is, you know, increasingly uh, complicated. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, believe it or not, I have not been back since I left in 2008. 
like I usually see my parents when they visit me or if they're visiting one of my siblings and I, you know, travel to the country where my siblings are. Uh, so, you know, I never really went back home. Um, and I, and I even have, you know, at this point, after all of these years, I even have, which is very related to what we were discussing. Like I, I have trouble even defining what I consider home. You know, one of the reasons that I didn't love living in England, although, you know, there was a lot of soccer every day and I was really enjoying, you know, playing the game and being in the right time zone for all of the soccer games. Uh, and I love the accents. I didn't love living there because, you know, to me, it felt like a weird culture that was, you know, half traditional, half modern. And of course, you know, I was living in a smaller town. I'm sure London would have been a different experience. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, definitely, you know, that was one of the very first times that I felt culturally completely out of place. Uh, Toronto is probably the place that I feel most at home, probably because I lived here the longest, but also I have a very strong network of people that I know and I consider friends, you know, people that I can call, you know, in the middle of the night if something bad happens, right? So, um, yeah, the, the concept of home becomes very, very fuzzy, as you say, uh, and becomes very difficult to define and rely on. And, and, and the interesting thing is that that's only one of the concepts that becomes fuzzy. And, you know, there are a lot of things that you take for granted, but, you know, moving around makes a lot of things that you take for granted very, very fuzzy because you see people have different definitions and they're completely fine living with those definitions. Do you, do you want to explore a couple of other things that get fuzzy? <laughs> I'd like <laughs> to talk about that with you. Okay. Yeah, so could you share? What are examples? Yeah. So a lot of cultural things, right? Like, you know, I, I come from, like, I was raised Muslim. Right. I was religious, uh, you know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> because, you know, that was like I, I grew up in a small town, uh, you know, back in Iran and, you know, traditional beliefs and how you carried out your life mm -hmm. was the only thing that was presented to me. You know, my my father is a highly educated person and, you know, he was the only counter narrative that I had. But everything else about the society was like, this is how you behave and this is how you behave, right? And when I went to my undergrad to a different city, when I went to my grad school in a different city, like every time I did a move like that, I left a part of what I considered myself behind. And because, you know, when I went to this slightly bigger city, I saw, oh, people are not doing a... B and C and they're fine, they're happy, they're healthy, you know, they're prosperous. Then I went to, you know, the capital of Iran, to Tehran, and I saw that, oh my God, like they're completely, you know, doing these three other things completely differently and they're fine and prosperous and happy. Then I came to Toronto, you know, that just like that, that shedding kept happening that I, you know, kept dropping everything about, you know, all of the traditional things that I believed in. And I realized that I was fine without them. <laughs> and, you know, that, that continued to the point where, 
you know, if that shedding continues happening, at some point you're going to hit a very strong identity crisis, right? Like you're going to hit, you're going to, you're, you're going to get to a point, especially if you're raised in a religious society where mm-hmm. you know your identity is very, very tightly entangled with tradition mm-hmm. and you know religious beliefs. And all of a sudden, you know, as I was going through these evolutions, there was these points that I got really interested in, you know, what atheists thought, you know, what, what people from different religions thought about, you know, how this universe works. Um, and, you know, that really brings you to this point of almost nihilism to this point that you're like, wait a minute, does anything matter? Right. And then all of a sudden, at least for me, the way things happened was that then I passed even that and got to a point that I realized, and I really like Noah Hariri because he really articulates this well in Sapiens and, you know, a lot of other, his work that you get to this point of, okay, nothing really matters. And then you get to this point beyond that, that is like, wait a minute, other people's define how I should behave. Now I can define how I should behave for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And this, this process of immigrating, moving around a lot and interacting with a lot of people, especially living in Toronto, where I can interact with people from all sorts of cultures in one place, mm-hmm. really, really accelerated, uh, you know, this process of getting me to this point where I'm like, wait a minute, I can define my own happiness. I can define my own life purpose. And that's liberating and powerful. And that's probably part of the reason that I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. I love the story because it's so true. Like it's like immigration means that, you know, the way you put it about shedding a part of yourself every single time you move to a new place, you know, and then having to battle with that internal crisis of, am I actually doing the right thing? Like, is this who I am or who I, who am I really like? What am I like? What am I? Am I, what what do I exist to be if every single time I move to a new culture or a new society, I have to adopt? You know, what, what people don't talk about adopting is that adopting also means it's not just changing. It means dropping stuff. And some of those things you need to drop are literally like part of the pillars that define how you see the world and how you view the world. And That's right. It's a very scary journey, to be honest. I mean, I like how you put it. That you put it so beautifully and... But it's a really scary journey to go on. Like, you're like, okay. You know, uh, and, and, and now I'm going to just kind of, and sorry, I'm staying on this for a long time. But it's okay. now the, seeing that at some point home was a flux and everything was fuzzy. Did you, at any point, did it ever hit you that, look, I'm not home? Like, when was the first time it hit you that, look, I'm not home? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're getting to the vulnerable parts. Um, <laughs> that feeling never goes away. Um, you know, the, the saddest moments of my life in the past, probably in, my, in all of my adult life is moments when I think about what I consider home, which is still, you know, back home in, in Iran. I, I think about, you know, the reality that I had to leave a lot of things behind mm. for good reasons. Like, you know, I, I have achieved a lot of things in my life since I left. Uh, so, you know, it, it was, it was a compromise worth making 
but the reality is that I have made that compromise. Like I had left things behind. So, you know, I, I do have the strongest, you know, in my saddest moments, I do have the strongest connection still with back home with, with Iran, you know, thinking about, you know, I wish, you know, that that would be the place where I achieve all of the things that I am trying to achieve now, right? So, um, and, you know, it, it's not a feeling that I have every day or a feeling that, you know, is very overwhelming, but there are moments that it becomes extremely overwhelming, like that feeling that I don't really belong here. Like culturally, you know, I have adopted, I have accepted this as my identity. I have accepted that this is the best compromise, but ultimately it's a compromise, right? Mm. Ultimately, it is the fact that I'm defining this as, you know, my new identity, my new home, the place I, you know, it's a base that I keep going back to, but the reality is, you know, the reality is that I don't really have a home. Like, you know, I'm defining the best I can Mm. as my home. Um, you know, a lot of people might have different experiences, like, you know, a lot of people might have immigrated and ended up settling down, like, you know, they, they did a school, then they got married and, you know, they have kids and house and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the definition of home is probably a little easier for them. But for me, you know, who is largely unattached to a lot of, you know, relationships that you know pin you down in one place like you know buying a house is a is an activity that you know pins you down to a place and probably it becomes easier mentally and emotionally to say okay this is my home now but i've never done that and it's never been attractive to me but there are so many moments you know when you're sad and vulnerable that you're like maybe i should have that (laughs) right yeah. But I never choose to do it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or haven't so far, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I think it's just a, it's a continuous journey. I remember talking to a friend of mine who, who had a party and he's been, he's been in the state since, um, he, you moved before him. I think you moved, you moved in 2008. I think he moved like 22. 12 or 2013 and he hasn't gone home since then yeah. well both from nigeria too and i asked him like are you settled and he's like no <laughs> he's like i'm not settled and i don't know if i'm ever going to settle i'm always going to feel like i'm always just here or there yeah you know i have i'm married now i have two yeah. kids i own a house he actually even owns a house yeah but he's like i still feel like i'm not i'm not here like i'm, I'm i i i don't I just, I'm just coasting, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm surfing a wave. And I kind of know that any moment <laughs> from now, I'm going to fall off the wave into the water. But yeah. somehow, I still keep myself, keep my balance and keep going and still waiting for that fall, right. but I don't fall. And just that, treading that fine line between will I fall or will I not fall? Like, I can just imagine what it does to the, someone's mental health and just yeah. the fact that you have to continuously keep hyping yourself. Or keep trying to say to yourself, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this covered. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, what was your biggest, let's just go back to like the first time you moved to Toronto for school. Like, What was your biggest cultural shock like when you moved there? 
uh like literally everything uh <laughs> you know again like i was coming from a relatively traditional and conservative society so you know, although at the point when i moved here i already had questioned you know a lot of the traditional you know beliefs that i had and probably had moved past them uh you know that that a state of being alone in a new country where the majority of the cultural landmarks are very unfamiliar with how you were raised mm. is a huge problem. Like, you know, I definitely have, you know, I, I didn't know what mental health was, you know, in the first year that I was here, but, you know, I definitely had a lot of mental health problems, like, you know, moments that, you know, that, that sad moment in shower that you're like, what the fuck did I do with my life? Right. Mm. Like that, that definitely happened in that first year. But, you know, I, I always try to rem remind myself that, you know, you, you did this for a reason. You know, there's this prize that you're after. There's this compromise that you made. Um, but, you know, any everything like, you know, from how people dressed to how people ate to how people socialized to how people. And, you know, obviously in the first year, you know, my language skills were, you know, 15 years worse than now, right? Like, it's not great now, but, you know, it was 15 years worse. So, like, even being able to integrate into the society was very difficult. You know, like, you know, with, with our research team, we would go to, um, we would go to, like, a pub to drink and talk after work. And, you know, my colleagues start... And inside the work environment, you know, I'm very familiar with the vocabulary because, you know, that's what I do every day. But then all of a sudden, that shift happens where people start talking about life. So the vocabulary is different. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't follow what is happening. Right? And that's very difficult. Like all the way to very specific mistakes that you make, like either you say something wrong or you understand what they said wrong and you answer incorrectly. And, you know, there's that, that embarrassment of, oh my God, you know, I said this thing and they, they're probably laughing in, at me in their head, right? Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, I saw, you know, white European people making the same mistake to realize that, oh, okay, you know, people who are not English speakers don't have to be English speakers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th there are a lot of, you know, relearning my confidence, I think. That, that had to happen in that first year and probably the years after as well. But the first year was tough. The first year was, you know, a lot of moments where, you know, I didn't know if I fit here, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I talked through it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm really happy to hear you say that because also for me sometimes, I mean, like, I'm here three years, almost three years now. And yeah, there's a struggle where you're not sure if you really fit in because, like you said, it's we totally underestimate how culture is broken into linguistic, yep. visual, behavioral, and at each of them, each of these three pillars morphs and changes depending on the context. Yep. So if you went out with a bar to your your friends, the linguistic culture is extremely different from the work right. one. The work one is the easiest one for immigrants to catch up on because one, we either know the lingua franca of the job yeah. itself. And so because of all the 
things that happen at work, we can get in there and be normal. But once yeah. you step out of that into the casual environment, then, okay, you're <laughs> like, uh, okay, what yeah. do they mean here? How do you say stuff like this? You know, and you just you just keep second guessing yourself for a very long time, yeah. you know, and like I, because I, I like I second guess myself a lot sometimes, and I'm like, okay, should I, should I say this? Is, <laughs> this is how they would say it. So sometimes I just keep quiet. I just like, yeah, I mean, you know, just keep quiet yeah. and just listen, you know. But I guess it's part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it never really goes away, right? Like that that. The, the fact that you make language mistakes is always going to be there. The fact that you're not going to get a lot of the pop culture references is always going to be there. Like, unless you proactively try to fix those. But what will happen is that there's a transition moment that you realize it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Like th those who are impatient and probably racist about the fact that you have an accent and the fact that you don't know things, you don't want them in your life anyway. Yeah. And those who are patient with you, those who, you know, carefully listen to what you're saying, even though you have an accent, or those who, you know, autocorrect all of the language mistakes you're making, those are the people that you want to surround yourself with anyway, right? Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, you'll find, you'll find your people that way. Like, they, they're not even necessarily people who talk your, you know, speak your language, your mother language, but, you know, they might be from different cultures. That's why they understand it. Or they might be native English speakers and they're just okay with the fact that this is you and they accept you as you are. Yeah. Hmm. You know, just kind of staying on this point about acceptance and um, friends and all that. So when I, when I was interviewing Nino, she talked about something which I, let me not say my, my thoughts on that. You talk about you and give me your answer. She said sometimes as an immigrant, you get the sense that people that get you the most are fellow immigrants. <laughs> yes. So what are your thoughts on that? People who get you the most are people who have similar stories to you. Immigration is, is part of your story, but it's not all of your story. Yeah. I, I agree you know, with that sentiment that you end up in communities that are mostly immigrants a lot of the time. Um, but you know, the bigger picture is really the fact that you share a story, you have something to talk to them about, right? Like mm -hmm. you have, you don't have to prove yourself to them. Like they yeah. already have accepted you the way you are with your imperfections because they understand that they're imperfect themselves. Right. And they know how to deal with that emotional, you know, up and down of being imperfect. You know, I, I was telling somebody a few days ago was that, you know, we can fight about things and then be okay about it, right? Mm. But the fact that you have a common understanding of these are the emotions that are involved in our interaction and this is how we deal with it, uh, you know, is really the part that makes the relationship work or not. You know, either it is a work relationship, personal relationship, intimate relationship or anything like that. Uh, and of course, you know, statistically speaking, us as immigrants end up having the most common stories and experiences with other immigrants. So it's not, it's not a necessarily absolute relationship. You know, as I gave a counter example, 
Uh, and I think really it just really goes back to that mindfulness, to that ability to take a step back and understand, okay, out of this interaction, this is how I felt and this is why I felt this way. And when you see things that way and, you know, you stop taking things personally, thinking that you know, something that was said was a personal attack on you or something mm-hmm. that was done in a different way than what you expected, you know, was not anything personal. That's just the cultural yeah. you know, reference of that person starts, yeah. you know, to, to understand that, uh, that, you know, th- there are new references, there are new common ways of interacting with people. And that's ultimately what forms your, you know, tightest and closest friendships. <sighs> this has been good to be honest. <laughs> this has been really, really good. Um, last question I have for you is what's the one thing you would have done differently when you look back at your the past 15 years of your journey? Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a bit of a problem with that question because uh, generally speaking, you know, I have done things the way I did because that was the information that was available to me at mm-hmm. the time that I did it. And I made the decisions, hopefully the best decisions among, you know, the decisions that were available to me, the options that were available to me. Uh, so generally speaking, I think, you know, I, I have a bit of a philosophical problem with that question because it implies that I could have done things differently. And, <laughs> and I think what I, if I go back, you know, I would tell my, you know, 20 something year old self who just had come to Canada mm. to just accept that fa- fact much, much, much earlier. Like just mm. be comfortable with who you are, be comfortable with defining who you want to be and just understand that other people are imperfect too. And the way you combine your imperfections to have, you know, beautiful moments to help each other out, to build new things together is the thing that ultimately makes a difference. Mm. Nothing else really matters. Like all of these things that we take for granted and feel embarrassed about, ultimately they don't matter. Like, you know, it is all the relationships you create that are valuable and can contribute to who you will become. Thank you so much, Anir. Like this has been beautiful too. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Like I, I, I feel like we had the best. Like this is one of the best conversations I've had on this pod so far. You know, because I'm we really talk about the hard things, the things that people, <laughs> people don't like to talk about. Like those hard things. And thank you, and thank you for coming on the Commerce Podcast. <laughs>